scripture reading this morning is taken from Matthew chapter 17, verse 1 to 8. Uh, Matthew 17, verse 1. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them out a high mountain by themselves. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his cloak became as white as the light. Just then they appeared before them, Moses and Eliza, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put out three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Eliza. While he was still speaking, a bright, uh, the bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son whom I left. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Okay, the, now Ram Gabriel will uh, preach to us this morning's sermon entitled Renew Fellowship. Very good morning to all my brothers and sisters in Christ. This morning I want to start by asking you a question. If you can think of a name, a big name, a celebrity whom you can uh, get a lifetime opportunity to meet up with, probably take, uh, take a picture together and uh, have his or her autograph, who would that person be? Think about that question. If you can meet any celebrity in the world today, who would that person be? Maybe some of us, um, we start to think about Hollywood stars, Brad Pitt, The Rock, you know, those big names. Some of us, we may start to think about uh, those action movie, you know, Hong Kong uh, uh, stars like Jackie Chan, Donnie Yen. Uh, some of us, the younger ones, among us, maybe thinking about uh, the Korean pop star, Blackpink. Jackson one, no reaction. <laughs> Any football fans here? Maybe you are thinking about Messi, right? Well, I remember when I was in Singapore many years ago, I was studying there. Uh, I studied um, theological study. And so back then, back then my, my girlfriend, now my wife, so uh, there was one morning where we decided to go for a date, right? So she brought me because she's, uh, you know, she's a locker, and she brought me to this beautiful, wonderful place near um, Botanic Garden in Singapore. So we took our order, uh, made our order, and then we were seated down. So I was, I was looking at my back then girlfriend, right, and then uh, the entrance was behind me. So my girlfriend was looking at me, and uh, we were seated down for like just a couple of minutes before she suddenly, you know, gave me a, that look. Right? She whispered to me, she said, uh, Some of you may not know her, but she's apparently quite a famous uh, Singaporean singer, uh, Sun Yanzi. So I turned my, my head very quickly, and I, there and then, really, you know, she came in with her husband and a little boy, a few years old, who was running in. So they entered through the entrance. So straight away in my mind, I was like, this, this is like a lifetime opportunity. I never imagined to be this close to a celebrity, you know, a famous singer. So immediately I was thinking, I was entertaining the thought of, you know, going over maybe, you know, going to find where they are seated because only um, it's, it's a, you know, it's a restaurant <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, a cafe actually So I wanted to take a picture together Maybe get her autograph, whatever But on second thought I, 
I uh, held, held myself back. I was thinking better give them a bit of privacy, you know, family. She came with her family. So, yeah, better honour their privacy. So I didn't do that. Many years later, I shared this incident with one of my, one of my um, ex-uni mates. And this person, this friend of mine, uh, he's a die-hard fan of Sun Yanzi. And his immediate response was like, What? Why did you not go and take a photo with her? Huh? So, yeah, that, that was his uh, reaction. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I think um, most of us, we can understand if we, uh, even if we have not really, you know, um, met any of our uh, dream stars or uh, celebrities that we sought after, but we can understand the kind of excitement, right, of seeing like big names on TV, but now face to face. And so in our passage, passage this morning as well, the three disciples of Jesus, they had a lifetime opportunity to meet up with some of the most famous men throughout the history of uh, Israel. Who did they meet up at the mountaintop? Aside from Jesus, they saw Moses as well as Elijah, right? I mean, if you, if you were to be born as a Hebrew, you would definitely know who is Moses. Uh, you cannot miss out Elijah as well. Who is Moses? Moses is the one who had led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of the slaves, um, you know, slavery of sins and bondages and all that. And Moses was the one that God used to, you know, open up the path <laughs> through the, the, the Red Sea. And Moses was the one that, uh, whom God used to bring about manna to lead them through, you know, the desert with water and all that. So big name. Elijah, who is Elijah? Elijah was the one who defeated uh, at 400 over uh, Baal's prophets single-handedly, you know. He prayed and three and a half years, there was no rain. Then he prayed, then rain came. He was the one also who, uh, who went to the house of, uh, uh, and, and, and there was like oil that never runs out. So these are uh, big names. I mean, if there were an Oscar award equivalent, uh, for the most famous prophets throughout the history of uh, Israel, these two names would be nominated at least top five. Moses, Elijah. Okay? And so Matthew 17 recorded the incident for us where the disciples, they had this fence moment. Wow! Moses, Elijah. Right? Starting with verse 1. Let's uh, read together. After six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them out a high mountain by themselves. Now, the transfiguration account, by the way, this morning is the transfiguration uh, Sunday, right, of Jesus, like, huh? transfiguration of Jesus Sunday. And that's why we, we, we pick this passage that talks about uh, the transfiguration of Jesus. Now, this account is recorded in all three uh, synoptic gospels. Synoptic gospels simply refer to the first three gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, and also Luke. Right, so Matthew 17 is one of them. Then also in Mark chapter nine, and also Luke chapter nine as well is recorded. All this in in, in all these uh, three gospel accounts, and all the three gospel accounts they all mention uh, that Jesus brought his three disciples. Okay, and who are they again? Peter, James, and John. Now we all know that Jesus had. 12 disciples whom he spent incredible amount of time uh, talking to them, teaching them, 
um, and, and you know, eating with them, serving alongside with them and all that. But it is evident that these three are, some people use favourite, huh? but I would say these three are his core disciples. He brought them to a lot more places by themselves. You know, he spent a lot more time having um, even more in-depth conversations with these three disciples of, of him, more than the rest of the twelve. Now the question is why? Why would Jesus do that? Is Jesus playing favoritism here? Definitely not, you know, because God doesn't play uh, that kind of game with us. Why would Jesus bring specifically these three disciples to the mountain top this morning? Right, mountain top. Um, other incidents like to the Garden of Gethsemane and many others. Right, you can read the gospel account yourself. Now, brothers and sisters in Christ, the first thing that we can learn about Renew Fellowship, by the way, that's my sermon title this morning, Renew Fellowship, is that we must know that Christian fellowship must be genuine, that Christian fellowship must be intentional, it must be personal. Lord Jesus, um, before He ascended, um, into the heaven while he was doing his ministry on earth he has shown us the example of how fellowship should be done right and when I use the word fellowship the I would say that the Chinese congregation probably would have a harder time to understand this but I expect you all to understand better when I use the word fellowship I'm not just using it to refer to a gathering you know, like, because the Chinese side, uh, Chinese equivalent is Tuan Qi, right? Fellowship Tuan Qi. But I'm not talking about fellowship where, you know, a group of people, they decide a time where they all show up there to have a gathering. So I'm not talking about just gathering. But fellowship in terms of bonding, in terms of sharing, in terms of mutual edif um, edification, Right? In Christian fellowship, we share the Word of God. We share our life together. We pray for one another. We get to know each other uh, deeper, right? That's the idea of fellowship. Now, Jesus, He ministered to thousands and thousands, right? He's a thousand congregation church, if we can put it that way. So He, he, he fed the 5,000, He fed the 4,000, He preached to them about the kingdom of God. But then Jesus also had His 12 disciples with Him. But not just that, among the 12 disciples, Jesus handpicked Peter, James and John to cultivate even greater intimacy and fellowship with them, just like what we are seeing this morning. Jesus, um, in Matthew chapter 17, He intentionally led them through another um, you know, enriching program, so-called, another extraordinary experience on the mountain top. Now, it's not just a spiritual experience because they were physically there. Uh, they, they, they saw what happened with their own eyes. So it's not just a spiritual experience but a physical one as well. And what I want to do now is that I need your creativity. I need your imagination with me as I try to illustrate this account but now in the modern world context, right? Because not many of us, uh, you know, uh, actually, not just not many of us, none of us here, we are 
Jews, right? So to pen this account in the modern world context may be closer to our heart and we can understand better. So I invite you to use your imagination as I try to tell you, you know, an illustration. Now imagine you are a uni student, huh? whether you are 12 years old or 60 over years old, forget that, okay? Forget about that. Now you are a uni student, you hang out with a bunch of your uni mates, okay? And so one day, one that, 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 um, that group of friends, one of them um, suddenly invite you all. You know, he said, I know there's this party going on tonight and I want to get all of us there. You know, let's go and, 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 and party. Let's go and have food and drink and, you know, let's go and have a good time together. And so a bunch of you agree, right? Three of you agree, Peter, James and John, right? Pick whoever you want to be. <laughs> so you all decided to go. So the time... Uh, you know, uh, is, uh, is there and your, your friend um, came uh, driving, okay? He drove you all up and as he was driving, you realised that actually the, you all are going into the mountain, mountainous area. So you ask your friend, uh, what's going on? Then your friend say, oh, we are going to this uh, huge mansion, this big mansion on the mountain top where we will have uh, our party there tonight. So you were like, huh? Mountain top, big mansion. Wow, who is throwing this party? You ask your friend, and your friend just reply, you know, with a smile on his face, and he didn't really uh, want to answer you. He just like laughed it away. Okay, then you started to think, to wonder in your heart, is it my friend uh, who is throwing this party? So you ask him, hey, is it you? Uh? Uh, he continued to just, you know, mm. <laughs> and so now you started to be a bit more. Um, you know, uh, anxious, excited, you know, thinking about what kind of family background your friend may, may come from. And upon arrival at this huge mansion, you know, it's a big place with beautiful uh, lightings and all that. And upon arrival, okay, you all walk into the, the big hall, okay, the living area, the, the, the the living hall of this big mansion, you were surprised, even more surprised to see that Anwar Ibrahim was already there. Okay? And then as you walk towards the centre um, of the crowd, suddenly Andy Lau you know, came over and, sh and shook the, the hands of your friend and, and thanked him for inviting him over to the party. And you were even more be, be, bewildered. <laughs> and then you ask your friend, hey, can I go and get something for you. Wow, oh, tonight is the night, man. Thanks for inviting me. This is such a good place to be seeing all the famous, uh, the big names here and free flow of food and, and, and drinks. Wow, you know, so nice. Can I get something for you? Before he can answer you, suddenly the whole crowd started to sing Happy Birthday song. Right? Happy Birthday to you. Wow, the spotlight came down, shone on your friend. Wow, everyone was gathered there just to celebrate his birthday. Turn out, your friend um, is the son of one of the richest tycoon in the region, right? Now, of course, the illustration doesn't really bring out the part where the disciples were terrified, right? It didn't bring out that part. But nonetheless, it helped us to, as we reimagine this transfiguration account, in a world closer to us, it helps us to understand the amazement level, you know, the excitement level that the disciples must have gone through 
as they were there with Jesus, seeing Moses, wow, seeing Elijah, wow, you know, that kind of excitement. The transfiguration account of Jesus, the purpose of it, <clears throat> as you read through, is to review to us, is to review not just to us, but also, first of all, to the disciples, to let the disciples know that Jesus is the Messiah. That's the whole purpose for this transfiguration account, to review the messianic identity of Jesus. The disciples, they were with Jesus all this while, right? Jesus um, ate with them, uh, slept with them, do, uh, did a lot of things with them, yet they, they, they don't really recognize that this is the Messiah. They are, they are not too sure. Right? And now, because of this account, they come to realize, wow, you know, Jesus is so special. Jesus is so great. Even Moses and Elijah came to talk to him, right? Through some of these things that happened on the mountaintop, even later on we see the voice of God and, and some other things. Now the attention is turned to this person of Jesus. Okay, let's continue with the verses. Verse 2, shall we read together? There he was, transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Let me ask you, those of you who read your Bible, I hope all of you read your Bible, who else the face turned white or, or, or transformed in a way, you know, became radiant on a mountain top? And I'm not talking about you when you climb Mount Sinai and then your, your, your face turned pale, you know, not, this kind of, not that kind of thing, huh? Okay, that's another level, right? Who else in the Bible, in the Old Testament, had his face turned white and it started to radiant, you know? Answer, Moses, right? Moses, um, he went out to the Mount Sinai, remember? To receive that Ten Commandments from God and because he spent time talking with God, when he came down, his face was like shining and he didn't know because you know he wasn't looking in a mirror. <laughs> and the people saw and then they were like, wow, we are so scared, who are you? And so he had to put on uh, something to cover his face. So Moses also had his face transformed in, in that sense, right? But not just because of that. You know, uh, as in, that's, that's only one clue here, right? In Matthew 17, the date time, actually it's not date time, the period. In Matthew 17, 1, we read six days, right? After six days, then this happened. Why is it important, you know? After six days, why is it important? What is the significance of six days? Now, in Mark 9, verse 2, just now I mentioned that the, the other synoptic gospel also recorded this um, incident. Mark 9, verse 2 says, after six days as well. While Luke 9, chapter 9, verse 28 says, about eight days, right? So, after six days, is how many days? After six days is seven days. About eight days. Okay, so about seven, eight days as well. So either, uh, both um, after six days and about eight days, they both refer to a period of about one week. You understand? And what is the significance here? Interestingly, when God called Moses to come out to Mount Sinai in Exodus uh, chapter 24, verse 16, we read, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For how many days? For six days, the cloud covered the mountain. Nothing happened, right? For six days, cloud covered the mountain. And on the 
seventh day, the Lord now called to Moses from within the cloud. You see the connection there? Not only oh, Moses happened to have his face you know, transformed and, and radiant, Jesus had his face transformed, okay? But also the timing is so right, both mountaintop experience. Jesus, after six days, brought his three disciples up. Moses, after six days, you know, he went up by himself though. Jesus was able to, brought, uh, to bring his three um, disciples. Now, let's continue to look at Exodus uh, chapter 34 for that account. God said to Moses, be ready in the morning and then come out on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountains. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. No, not even the flocks and herds may graze in the front of the mountain. Right? So no one else, but only Moses was allowed when Jesus actually brought uh, some other people. So Moses went up okay, to Mount Sinai to see God, okay, to talk with Him, to receive the Ten Commandments, and then he came down with the two tablets in his hands. And in uh, verse 29, this is what it is. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. Now, my brothers and sisters in Christ, as we compare the two accounts of Moses in Exodus uh, chapter 34 as well as Jesus in Matthew 17, it is notable. We should take note of this. It is obvious that the authors of gospel seems to suggest to us that Jesus shines in greater glory than Moses. That Jesus is even more glorious than Moses. Matthew chapter th- uh, 17 verse 2 just now say that not only the face of Jesus was shining like the what? Like the sun. Number one, the first point, Moses, his face was radiant, right? Over here, the description for the face of Jesus is that it's like the sun. How many of you try looking into straight at the sun? You know, you can't do that. We're not talking about evening uh, sun ray, you know, warm and all that. No, afternoon sun, the, the mid-noon sun. Uh, try and have a look uh, at the sun. You cannot for too long, right? That's the kind of um, uh, the, the, the kind of face that Jesus had back then, you know? His face shone like the sun, even greater than Moses. Point number two that we can notice here, his clothes became as white as the light. Moses, only his face was mentioned, but Jesus, the whole, you know, even the, the, the shirt that he's wearing became as white as the light. Jesus is more glorious than Moses. Another point to see why Jesus is more, uh, you know, glorious than Moses, we can take note here that, you know, in, in the incident of Moses, his face was transformed because, because he had, you know, seen God, so-called. He had talked with God. In the case of Jesus, verse 2, before, before verses 3 and 4, verse 2, the face of Jesus, the cloth of Jesus, would transform even before the voice of God was heard. Am I right? 
So Jesus took the three disciples out. Then immediately in verse 2, the face was transformed. It was not even before the voice of God was heard. And it was even before Moses and Elijah show up in verse 3. Right, so verses 3 and 4. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put out three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Right? So you see how the, the um, Matthew, right? Matthew trying to tell us that Jesus is even more glorious than Moses. And over here in verse 4, we may not understand uh, what is Peter doing here? How come he wanted to camp suddenly? Huh? Play camping, uh, three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. We may not understand by looking at uh, Matthew, chapter, uh, Matthew chapter 17 alone, but Mark chapter 9 verse 6 actually tells us why. You know why he say that. The verse says that he did not know what to say. They were so frightened. You know when you are you are so amazed with something, maybe you you you, you are seeing Jay Chaw or you are seeing Jackson White, I don't know. You are so amazed, you are so excited, you are you, you know, until the level of you don't know what to say anymore. <laughs> you know, you are like, oh, I'm not being myself now. That kind of thing. Right? So this is what happened to, to, to Peter. I don't think he was afraid of seeing ghosts, right? I don't think that's the the reason why. Um, he was like frightened in that sense because to the Jewish people, Moses and Elijah, there was a possibility that God received them uh, without uh, passing through the tunnel of death, right? But that's the tradition of uh, the, the, the Jews. They may be afraid to see Jesus because Jesus was transformed, all right? So they, uh, there's a possibility there. But anyway, what we can be sure of is that they saw, um, you know, they saw. Moses and they saw Elijah and definitely they were so, so, so excited. Verse 5, while, together shall we, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my son whom I love with him. I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Any one of us who hears a voice from the cloud, okay, from the, above the sky, you know, including the disciples, we should relate it automatically to the voice of God, right? When you hear a voice coming from above, then immediately you should relate. Oh, God, it's probably God who is speaking, right? Your husband and wife doesn't shout to you from the sky, right? Okay, so the disciples, they understand, right? They understand that it was God who had spoken. And for some of us, we may have... Um, you may have some, how, how do I put it, different ideas of encountering God. Some of us may be thinking that, you know, seeing God is like, it's like seeing a celebrity, you know, someone who is so famous, someone who is, who is so, um, you know, so a big name and now I get to see God, you know, just like how I get to see, you know, a celebrity. But that's not the case. First of all, God doesn't have the voice of Mickey Mouse, okay? In various parts of the Bible, whether it was Elijah, um, uh, Isaiah, sorry, whether it was Isaiah uh, who, who had seen the vision of God, who had seen God, and he went like, I'm not worthy. You know, he went trembling. I'm not worthy. Or Paul, who 
encountered Jesus on the, on, the, on, the, on the way to Damascus and he fell down. He was terrified. And even this morning, the disciples, they heard the voice of God from above and they, they, they were in fear and trembling. And that's what should happen to us when we encounter God, when we experience God in a very intimate way. We should be in fear, reverence in that sense, and trembling with full respect, with full reverence in our hearts because that's how great our God is. And so it was with the disciples, they fell down because they were so terrified. Jesus had to come and touch him, uh, touch them. And then after that, in verse 8, I'll jump to verse 8, after the whole episode, they finally, what? Let's read this very important verse, the last verse this morning together. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. Wow. They saw no one except Jesus. Moses wasn't there. Elijah wasn't there anymore. And all that they can see now is Jesus. My friends, are we seeing no one except Jesus? Back to our church. In our church today, are there some big names that may have overshadowed Jesus, the leadership of Jesus, Manus? These people may be like Moses. They may be like Elijah. They have proven record of success. Like Moses, we know what he had done, you know, successful man, good job. Elijah also, you know, wonderful, powerful, right? So we have some names, big names that we, we follow, right? They, they are just like Moses and Elijah. They may be resourceful, they may be powerful, they may be capable. But my friends, we are not called by God to follow great heroes. That's not what we are called to be. We are called by God to follow Jesus. Spiritual giants, they set good examples. That's their role. You know, that's their function, so-called. Um, these big names, they should set good examples for us to, to follow, but not for us to follow blindly. Ultimately, we must all know that each of us, we follow ultimately Jesus. You know, the leadership of Jesus must be evident in our church. And going into fellowship as well. In our fellowship, Christian fellowship with one another, we should also ask, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? Christian fellowship must be different from just friendship. We can be friend with anyone. Uh, as long as the, you know, we click, lah, whether you are, Christian, whether you are non-Christians, whether, um, you know, anyone, you know. I have very close, I would say, very good friends, non-Christian friends. I can be friends with them. But if you want to talk about Christian fellowship, you cannot have Christian fellowship without God, right? You can be friends with anyone, human interaction. But if you want to talk about Christian fellowship, you cannot not have God. You cannot put Christ out of the, the equation. You must always see Jesus. You must always see God in the midst of our fellowship. The disciples, they were amazed at first. They were with Jesus from the very beginning. You know, they were not amazed, not, not that amazed. Lah. Then they went out to the mountaintop. They started to, wow, Moses, wow, Elijah. To that level, you know, to our level of seeing Andy Lau, you know, <laughs> seeing J. Joe. This morning, um, assume, let me assume, if, you know, 
because um, I, I, I can cite some big names, the one that I, I know. For example, if we, we, can, we invite uh, Pastor Edmund Chan from Singapore, you know, IDMC, uh, yeah, come and preach to us, or even John Piper, Rick Warren, big names, yeah, uh, famous preachers to come and preach to us here in FMC. Um, what would happen? What do you think? The whole church will be filled up, right? Some people from TMC may come over <laughs> to listen. Am I, am I right? I think I, I, I'm right. But, but why? You know, I'm not saying that it's not helpful to have uh, renowned uh, preachers um, to speak to us in our midst. From time to time, yes, we, we will have that. But it is just not possible for Rick Warren, for example, to be here with us every Sunday. You know, he has his church to run uh, in the US. He can't be here for us every week. So what happened to the rest of the years when he's not around? How are we doing in terms of our discipleship before the Lord? How are we doing in our fellowship with each other? When Moses is not around, and Moses is not around anymore, when Elijah is not around, and Elijah is not around anymore, how are we doing then? Are we recognizing the leadership of Jesus? Are we seeing no one but Jesus in our midst? Now, of course, God uses His um, servants to do mighty things like Moses, like Elijah. And even these days, God continues to use His uh, servants to do great things in His name and, and we give thanks to God for that. But the spotlight should always come back to Jesus. The glory should always come back to, to our God, to Jesus. May Jesus be exalted. May Jesus be magnified. As we gather this morning, not your name, not my name, be glorified. No, please, no. The name of Jesus Christ, the one who died for us. I don't die for you, right? I never die for you. The name of Jesus be glorified because He's the one and the only one who loved us while we were yet sinners. The only one who died for us on the cross. Not your best friend. Your best friend never died for you. Literally, metaphorically, Jesus is the only one who died for us and he was resurrected on the third day to prove that he has conquered death, even death for us so that he can win us over with his love that we belong to him. We can be in communion with him. May the name of Jesus be glorified. Brothers and sisters in Christ, today is not just the Transfiguration Sunday of, uh, of, of Jesus, but it's also the day um, which we, we pick to dedicate the different fellowship uh, in our church before the Lord. And for the English congregation this morning, just now, the Chinese service, we dedicated the MJYF, uh, the MYF Youth Fellowship, as well as the, the Elderly um, Fellowship, right? The Senior Fellowship. But for the English congregation, right after this, I'm going to call out, uh, after my sermon, I'll call out the MJYF because we only have uh, Methodist. J, Junior Youth Fellowship. Okay, the rest of us, we should be in a small group or something, right? So we will dedicate this fellowship before the law, right? And remind each other again that as we gather, you know, we must have this understanding, we must have this renewed understanding of fellowship that the name of Jesus be glorified. I summarize um, whatever I have I've shared this morning. In a table form, there are two aspects of fellowship. The first is with people. And Jesus showed us a very good example, 
happened, right? Jesus, he had his ministry with the crowds, so-called the 4,000, 5,000, the whole congregation. He preached the Word of God. He handled, you know, the Word of God. He, he um, tell, told them about the Kingdom of God, but also he had his small group of 12 disciples and within that small group, he handpicked three. All these are done intentionally. All this reveal to us that there's an intimacy, especially the closer you go, the deeper it becomes, right? Isn't it? The crowd, with the crowd, how can you share your troubles as a pastor to the crowd, right? Not at the level, but as you go into the small group, you can share more. As you go into the deeper level of the core group, you can open your hearts, right? So there's intentional level, there's this intimacy that is going on. Of course, it is interpersonal. Jesus, with the disciples, He brought them, He interacted with them, He transformed them, right? We cannot transform people, but Jesus can. And so in the name of Jesus, by the help of the Holy Spirit, let's pray for that to happen. But if only with people, you only have friendship. <laughs> but with God, then you have a redeemed, intimate, meaningful Christian fellowship. As we put Jesus at the center, you know, Christ centered, Christ exalting, Christ revealing, then we are doing it right. We are not putting people at the center. We are not putting our Moses at the center, Elijah at the center, but we are saying that God. You are the centre, you are at the very centre, the first place, you know, the centre place of our fellowship in the midst of this, may your Lordship reign over this. Every time we gather for fellowship, even this morning, because I'm using the word fellowship very loosely, even this morning as we gather in corporate worship, may the name of Jesus be exalted, may Jesus be seen. Every time we show love for each other, May Jesus be seen. Not how good you are. Of course, people see how good you are. But then hopefully, you direct that spotlight to Jesus. It's Him. It's not me. Without Him, I'm nothing. Without Him, I may beat my wife. But with Him, I can love my wife. Without Him, I will not serve. But with Jesus, I will serve. Because Jesus transformed my life. I can do great things because Jesus allowed me. May Jesus be seen in us. May Jesus be revealed. May Jesus be glorified among us. May Jesus take the highest seat among us. Two questions for reflection. Number one, how are you doing with the two aspects of loving God and loving others? Number two, is Christ exalted in our fellowship? Is Christ the one whom we fix our eyes Think about these two questions. Ask yourself and respond in your personal prayer right now. we give thanks to you for your precious word Lord it speaks life into our hearts Lord remind us 
that our gathering is in the name of Jesus, for the name of Jesus. Remind us that we don't just gather for the sake of gathering. Allah, we gather so that we can grow together. We can know in deeper way, Lord, the person of Christ, the work of Christ. We can direct our attention and direct the attention of each other to back to Jesus, not to Moses, not to Elijah. Lord. They are supposed to help us to get to serve you better. They are supposed to be the pointers to you, Lord. And so help us to direct one another so that we turn our eyes back to Jesus, so that we don't steal away your glory, so that, Lord, may only your name be exalted, be glorified. And help us, Lord, to live, to emulate the example of Jesus, to cultivate intimate, genuine, godly fellowship with each other. Oh God, we thank you for redeem, redeeming us, for continue to do the work that you have, the good work that you have begun in us, and that you will bring to completion in your time. Thank you for being here with us, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.